What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast, and uh, I'm excited we have Matt Young with us here today. Uh, thanks for taking some time, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. The pleasure's mine. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I always love to kick our conversation off on the podcast here with this question. It is Championship Leadership is the name of our podcast. What comes to mind for you, or what does Championship Leadership mean to you when you hear that? When I hear that, it means uh, servant leadership. So it's all about taking people from where they are to where they want to go. Um, it's all about serving others. So that's how I, I view championship leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, was, I was looking through your site a little bit too uh, as we got connected and getting ready for here. And I, I saw that on like probably the first paragraph talking about servant leadership. Where does that come up? Uh, has that always been something that's been important to you? Is that something that uh, maybe was instilled in you from someone, from, from someone else that has impacted your life or where does that come from? Yeah, to be honest, it comes from a lot of the experiences that I had growing up and what servant leadership was. Now I never defined it, of course. It's, it's been much better defined uh, as I've grown up and matured uh, and realized what that really was. But it's it really, you know, the best coaches, the best parents. And, and Nate, I don't view coaching and parenting and being an athlete and being a manager and being an employer as different. I think they're the same characteristics can be applied to all of them. Um, obviously, we, we differentiate them because we're niching a, a message to a target audience. But I think that servant leadership is something that can be carried through any pillar of life, no matter where you are. And there's tons of great examples of great coaches, great parents, great bosses, great managers, great mentors. And I think that's really one of the things that inspires me is those examples, because you see them, because they're not typically the norm, they're the exception. And, and I always aspired personally to be that exception rather than just doing what everyone else was doing or doing it the way we've always done it. Yeah, that's great. What, uh, well, maybe talk to us a little bit about, a little bit more about who you are and maybe your path to get to where you are today and what you're up to. Yeah, you bet. So started off with a graduate of human kinesiology, um, human kinetics, study of human movement. And instead of going into the teaching uh, realm and space, we got into the entrepreneurial realm and space. We wanted to really uh, make a difference. So we came into the personal training business in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, back in 1996. 
Uh, and basically we wanted to really, for lack of better words, make the, make the industry better. Uh, because it was governed by a lot of celebrity trainers. The focus was all on the trainers. It wasn't on the client. It was yeah. Jenny and Johnny, who has the biggest six-pack, who's doing the most <laughs> prolific stunts and events. And uh, we said, there's got to be a more that we can do. So our whole ideology and philosophy was we weren't going to be the celebrity trainers. We were going to be, we were going to take our team, everything that we learned in, in, in college about team and, and all the benefits of having that. We we're going to create a team setting in a very unregulated, uh, low barrier to enter, entry industry. And, you know, we kind of looked at human development and our X factor was going to be, we weren't just going to focus on the physical pillar of development. We were going to focus on the social, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual pillars. And we were going to deliver that and package that. Now, that sounds lofty uh, and, and people might go, well, how the hell did you do that? Basically, what we did was every time somebody came to our boutique business, we said, what have you always wanted to do from a physical perspective that you didn't think you could do or that you haven't prioritized? And then we would work through with them to accomplish those goals. So on the broadest scale, uh, you know, we, we took, you know, hundreds of people to hike Machu Picchu every year, uh, hundreds of people to the Grand Canyon, kind of beginner, intermediate and advanced. Advanced would go all the way down. At the bottom, we would have a note from their spouse that they didn't know we'd written and their spouse would give them all, tell, tell them all the things that we should communicate as as significant others, but we don't. Um, so unbeknownst to them, they'd get to the bottom of this big taxing physical journey and there would be a letter from their spouse saying, you know, this is so motivating. Thank you very much. You're so good and blah, blah, blah. So that's how we wove in the other elements into what our offering was. So it was more than just let's get a bigger chest and biceps or let's lose 10 pounds. That's not who we were. So we did that successfully for, for two decades if money is a marker for success, it's not my currency, but we did $97 million in, in sales. We donated $6.5 million to community charity, mostly around kids and sport and development. That was really what was meant the most to me. We saved lives. And, and when I say saved lives, I sat across from four people that said, you know, you really saved my life. And I, and I gave the, you know, well, if you're healthy, you're feeling better. And they said, no, Matt, I was going to kill myself before I came into your program. And this is really transform my life. And I was, I was fairly young when that happened. So I didn't really understand the gravity of the pressures of, of work and society and family and all that kind of stuff. And, and really the, I knew of the mental physical connection, but I really didn't appreciate it until I got into there, into that space. So that was great. We did it for 20 years, um, got invited to sit on the board for physical literacy advisory board. I got pulled into schools and said, hey, can you replicate what you're doing in that space, in the school space? Got into kids sport and said, oh, you know, I've seen this game before. This is all about the celebrity coaches or celebrity parent who have yeah. their celebrity athletes. So we started doing for the sport world, the amateur sport world, what we did for our, our, the, the personal training business. And that was we created an operations manual for quality sport. So again, I come from a franchise. I come from a franchisor model where you have the franchisor, general manager, and franchisee. Franchisor's got two jobs. Create an operating model that makes it as easy as possible for the franchisees to have success, whether that's impact, whether that's money, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And create an operations manual. So create that operations manual and promote the hell out of the business. That was our job as the franchisor. General manager, make sure that the, the, the franchisees were operating in compliance with the, the, the franchise manual and really any innovation or issues or anything, if they couldn't solve it, bring it up to the franchisor level. Franchisees, service the hell out of the clients, super simple. Uh, number one and number two, be in compliance with the operations manual. What we realized, Nate, when we came into the sports system in, in, in North America is that nobody has 
created an operations manual for the grassroots level of sport. So at sport, you've got the most self-interested and least educated people operating at the base of the develop, sport development, the youth sport development pathway with no clear path or assistance or governance in people management or process management. Largely all volunteers, God bless them, but they have not had that support. So we created it. And, and when I say we created it, I know it sounds bold and people say, what, what are you talking about? We actually created an operations system for the grassroots development of sport that brings in all the stakeholders, the athletes, the officials, the parents, the coaches, and the administrators. And that's what we're doing now. So long-winded way of saying sports and, and movement and activity have always been a part of my life. And, uh, you know, we've been to, to, to Norway after they cleaned up after the Olympics talking to their sport federation. We've talked in front of the United States Olympic Committee and all their national governing bodies on how to kind of onboard this quality sport development. Uh, we just licensed our, our framework to Canada's largest participation sport, which is Soccer Canada, and we're helping them help their clubs roll it out because that is the job of the national governing body or a national sport organization and pretty much all things sports and helping young men and women really youth sport is a dress rehearsal for real life. So helping prepare them for real life is exactly uh, what I was put on this earth to do, which is exactly why I'm on this championship podcast with you, because that's exactly what you are sharing and espousing every day. I love it. Yeah, that's incredible. What, and so, so this is for what you've created. This model, I guess is for all sports. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's for all sports because we're not focused on the technical, tactical, and physical aspects yeah. of the development because that's been done really well. As a matter of fact, I mean, that's been saturated. Yeah, you, you, right. you can't, there's so many people trying to tell you how to make kids run faster, jump higher, and this is what you yeah. need to do in nutrition. I mean, we've just hammered that. But what we've left out is we've left out how to develop character, confidence, connection, and culture. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't teach that. That's not intuitive. We just assume people know how to do that or they don't. But uh, what we suggest is if we want to increase the likelihood of these quality experiences, that has to be outlined and that has to be available. So there's a curriculum essentially that, that these volunteers are getting from you. That's exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's a framework and, uh, yeah. and it's a, it's a step-by-step -step framework on, on really how to, based on what we see as the pain points in, in sport and especially amateur sport, we've really listened to a lot of the conversations and wants and needs of sport organizations. And I'm talking, you know, national governing bodies right through local community sport organizations, right through to the highest level of sport federations at the Olympic, at the Olympic level of countries. And, and basically, I don't know whether it was just naive or we were bold, were bold uh, but we just said, you know, this isn't that hard. So yeah. we'll take a good kick. We'll, we'll take a good stab at it. You know what? And if it's not the be all and end all, it's better than where we were before. So we're making progress. Gotcha. So you've you've mentioned we quite often what you know did this just start with you i imagine for the undertaking for the for the you know all of the different countries that you've already talked about and organizations obviously there's a team there involved but where did this like blossom and build into something much bigger than yourself yeah i mean it always has because you know i always use we uh, because that's really level 5 leadership nothing that even if it was all me Nothing that I, I've accomplished has not been supported by uh, partners and teams and, and, and people. And there's lots of people that have made a really good impact on sport. And, and, you know, sometimes it just takes different people around the table. Quite, as you know, our go-to 
is let's get the academics, let's get the researchers, let's sit around the table, let's create the tools that are, uh, are derived in the white tower and then wonder why they don't, well, they don't work in the general population where their variables aren't controlled. Uh, and my complaint and suggestion has always been, if you want to change something, you need expertise in behavior change. You need experience in behavior change management. You need marketing people at the table. You need the diversity around the table so that young athletes can see themselves sitting at that table. So when I say we, uh, over the years, I've managed to come across the path of, of many, many great people. And I've just said, hey, look, it, this is what we're trying to do. I need your input. We need your support. And we'd love to ha have you participate as well in the event that we're successful, you know, engaging these sport organizations who are looking for positive change. Yeah. Thank you. What, um, who are some of the championship leaders, coaches, mentors that maybe you've had in your life that have impacted you in a, in a way that has you, uh, like you said, you don't know if it's because you're, you're bold or, or what, but uh, um, to take on such a, a big mission that you are right now with what you're doing, who, who are some of the people, and less about who they are, but really what are the characteristics? What is it about them that really stood out to you uh, that's, that's made an impact on you and also probably has helped mold you into who you are as a leader as well? Yeah, I love that question. Thanks for asking. Uh, the first one was a physical education teacher, actually, uh, from my uh, high school. And he uh, just basically sat back and watched me behave like a ham sandwich for, I don't know, three out <laughs> of the five years of my physical education. But he believed in me. He, he saw there was potential. He saw that, oh, I, I needed to be challenged. And I needed to be challenged to be my best. And, and that, those were the days where you could challenge people because I'm quite old now. You did that. Mm -hmm. You walk into the school and probably give the teachers a lashing. But Back then, you know, if, if a teacher was challenging you, you went home and complained to your parents, your parents would challenge you. Uh, yeah, right. So he did. He called me out, and he was right. And that really set the, the, the wheels in motion for the path that I was meant to be on, which is, you know, I wanted to be him. I wanted to emulate him. And it wasn't just him. It was his entire staff They were uh, of men and women. They were coming out of school. They wanted to make a difference. And for me, that's what I wanted to do as well. I wanted to make a difference. So all along the way, different coaches and mentors – my stepfather is the athletic director for the Ohio State University. Obviously, I've learned quite a bit from him. That's, a, that's at the biggest level that you can be. Um, you know, my mother was a, was a Canadian Olympic basketball uh, phenom. Um, I got none of, the, none of those skills, so that didn't transfer. <laughs> but the, the, the love for empowerment, she went on to coach women's basketball at the University of Oregon and, that, and then UNLV um, before – she made a, a career decision. It was either an athletic director herself, which is where her and my, my father met, or, uh, you know, continue on in coaching. So I've had lots of great mentors, lots yeah. of great business partners and people around me. And uh, I think that's, you know, Dr. Wade Gilbert, I, I think he's one of the best, humble. He's a, from Fresno State University. And just a really, servant leadership was really where I learned that definition from. Uh, full credit to him. Just a miraculous guy. So you know, it's just about finding the people and it takes, as you know, it takes about uh, 10 minutes before you say this person is all about themselves or, you know, holy smokes, yeah. this person's motivating and, and really, really truly does want to walk the talk in terms of elevating to, to a different level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you sharing that. What's, what's the vision for you and where you want to go? Obviously it's very clear from, from uh, uh, early in the conversation, the vision is big. But championship leaders, they have incredible vision and also the courage to take action on that. And so I always love hearing kind of the direction you're headed and, and the impact that you want to make here in the future. Yeah, we're going to change youth sport. We're going to, we're going to change it from a, 
uh, outcomes-based focus where uh, the belief is if we win the championship, which only one person can win, then that was a successful season and uh, we had a good coach. We're going to change the narrative from, you know, what is quality coaching? It's not aggregating and hoarding the best talent and, and kicking the crap out of inferior talent. That's not quality coaching. You know, quality coaching is finishing the season better than you started across a shared set of values and markers and goals with your team. You know, we want to change the experience, most importantly, for families, for parents and for, for kids. You know, the free market capitalism, like it does with everything else, if, it's run, if, it, if it runs away, has, has had a significantly negative impact on the youth sports system, where it's all about the winning, the academies, the this, the that. And, and you know, if you want to buy it, we'll sell it to you. Uh, you know, I think your little Jenny or Johnny has what it takes to make it to the level. If you yeah. invest 30 grand a year with me, I'll make sure they get as close as they can. You know, that whole narrative of nonsense, which is basically selling. We know that elite performance is, has such so little to do with um, the coaching and the environment. There's, there's luck, there's the environment, there's coaching. Um, but more, there's the internal locus of control, uh, which is champions, which is what you're talking about on your podcast all the time. Um, you know, and then there's g- genetic predisposition. Hey, listen, I would have loved to yep. be a basketball star, but I'm, <laughs> I'm six feet. So, you know yeah. what? My chances of being there are significantly lower than the seven footers that are athletic as hell and some of the elite performers that we see. So what's the goal? The goal is to change sport. One ready organization at a time. Gradually change the culture of sport so that we can keep as many as possible as long as possible in, and offer them the best environments possible. That's the goal. What are you guys doing, or if, if anything, with, you know, because I know it's big here, and I would imagine it's the same probably across the world. Um, the, the parent-coach relationship, the parents and the refs relationship, and I'm talking about, like, not, uh, not a great relationship. Like, I did a little bit of coaching. I coached in high school, coached a little bit at a junior college here. I've had some horrible experiences with parents to the point where I don't ever want to do it again because of the experiences that I've, I've had. I've, I, I know many that are heavily involved in coaching and refing and, and uh, you know, it's just, they continue to do it because they absolutely love it, but it's just clearly is an issue and a, and a problem. And is there anything that you're doing to, to help with that, that relationship, good sportsmanship, whatever you want to call it. I mean, because I think you, you were talking to it a little bit of like just the pressure on the kids to be great and to get as good as they can and, and to get on the, all the elite teams and got to win every game. And reality is it really doesn't matter. Right. I mean, yeah, it, 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 you're right. It's a contentious issue, and I'm going to be really uh, – don't take offense to this. It's an engagement issue, and I don't think that we've provided coaches and administrators the tools to engage the parents, not educate the parents because um, you're a parent, I'm a parent. Who, who likes to say, hey, Nate, you got to show up tomorrow for parent education? You're like, nah, I don't think so. Uh, but, hey, listen, this is parent engagement. This is a, and, and so in that framework, we've put in a lot of touch points as you know, sales is, is six to 20 points of contact. So um, we've done parent engagement very poorly. Uh, we, we, mm-hmm. treat them, we treat people like they're, they're the primary consumer. They're the ones that are spending the money. We know their expectations are high. So how do we communicate? How do we onboard them with what the process should be? And that's really the million dollar question for a lot of coaches and officials and, and people that are like you that have those experiences. And, and I think, I don't think I know, that's an engagement issue. So it's the accountability, you know, and we, we always think that we can campaign and advocate, use advocacy. We, we think we can campaign our way to the other side. 
we, we can't. This is an operations issue, which requires an operations manual, which requires the training for and the mentorship and the leadership for behavior change. And that's why it never works. We always have these advocacies and these commercials and they're great. And parents go, ah, that's not me. It is you. Now, don't get me wrong, Nate. I'm not up here saying we've got the solution to crazy because that's, that would be a lie. Right. Crazy is crazy. Uh, but John Maxwell leadership, uh, 25, 50, 25 rule. 25 people are going to be on board with what you're saying. 50% are going to be undecided and 25% we couldn't taser into behaving mm-hmm. uh, properly in that environment. So, yeah. but where do we spend most of our time trying to appeal to that 25% that are never going to change? Right. So forget them, you know, yeah. and what we've done in the framework is put a lot of pieces in place to preempt that and give parents the option. This is what the culture is. This is how it's going to be. This is how you can talk to and report anything that you don't see that you don't like, you know, and working with the organizations at the top levels to say, what is your culture? How does it look? How is it appearing so that you can minimize, you know, and doing a lot of front end work. So instead of putting out spot fires every single, after every single game, we're actually, we've, we've preempted all of this. Um, you know, we've taken the time to preempt all of this and, and we're putting, we're putting people in better positions to have to deal with less of that. Yeah. I like it. That's great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just having a system to that. I definitely wasn't, uh, you know, and, and like you said, you know, when you're, when you're young and you're in it because that's what you want to do and you love it and you love working with kids, you love the sport and, uh, but it is another piece to it. It's an important piece that definitely, uh, training needs to be involved to help all parties involved. So, um, what, this is a, this is one of my favorite questions here. So what is a turning point or a critical moment in your life where kind of that fork in the road moment, where you made the decision that you had because it has you where you are today, but had you not, you know, you could very easily be somewhere else or doing something different or life could look very different. Uh, I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners listening that are in that moment and they're trying to decide what to do. And often we get, you know, the one that again takes like the championship leader with the vision and the courage to, to go in that direction. Maybe they feel pulled to go that way, but, but a lot of us don't have the courage to make that decision. Right. And maybe they look back, years later with regret. So is there, is there a moment that sticks out in your mind? Wow. That's a, that's a great question. There's tons of moments. So the first one was the one I described with the phys ed teacher when he pulled me in front of my entire class and I thought he was going to give me the big props and accolades and he undressed me. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was big because that yeah. was where humility came in, you know, and, and he just, he just dropped the mic and walked out of the gym and I was standing there basically emotionally naked in front of yeah, all of my boys right. going, and they're looking at me embarrassed. And I was like, okay, you know what? Call me out. Uh, I got two, I got two paths here. I can, I can uh, continue what I'm doing or I yeah. can uh, rise to the challenge. And I think that though, as an entrepreneur, those happen over and over and over again. I mean, listen, we were told, you know, you can never make money in a personal training business uh, without just being this celebrity trainer. Um, you know, we disproved that you're never going to be able to uh, create tools that can help the physical literacy movement. You know, in Canada, we created tools and that, that scaled globally. I'm assuming you've watched The Last Dance and episode seven yeah. with, with Jordan is just like, you know, um, that is, if you don't like it, that, that's who I was. Right. And yeah. if you don't like it, you don't do that. Like, I mean, um, so that's my attitude and, and, and the reinforcement is every time someone says, no, you can't. Um, so for me, like, no, you can't. And you wrote an activation and accountability framework for the United States Olympic Committee. Who are you? No, you can't. And for me, that's what keeps driving me is every time that people say no. I'm all about the solutions. I'm all about the activation and accountability, not the information and education. We got enough information and education for everything. 
it's about the activation and accountability to it. Like, you know, you've got this great podcast. At some point, you probably asked yourself, why me? Who's going to listen to me? What am I going to do? Why am I sharing this? Who's going to tune in? And like you said, that's why so many people, they never even step into the ring because they just don't have the confidence to start. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's all about starting and restarting. And to get back to your question, you know, what drives me is continuing to see these gaps, listening to people complain and throw mud and do all these things that are so unproductive and don't actually get to a solution and go, how can we offer up uh, an opportunity or a solution to fill that gap? And listen, if it's not the best right away, it's just got to be better than what it is now. And we can continue yeah. to build on it and, uh, and collectively make it better. So that's, uh, that's the answer to that question. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's a very powerful answer. So as we wrap up here, what are, you know, if there were one or two things that you could give the listeners that if they actually were to implement today would help them move forward in their life today, what would those be? In keeping with your theme of, of championship leadership, it, it's being unapologetic to the way you behave and move to achieve your goals. Um, don't sit there and, and worry about what someone's going to say and the detractors because there's always going to be detractors because being a detractor is the easiest thing that you can do. Uh, finding reasons why things can't succeed uh, and, and, and putting that in front of everyone and, and barriers and erecting barriers and no, we couldn't and who's going to listen. That's the easiest thing to do. And that's what keeps a lot of people with a lot of really great ideas and great potential average. And so I, I, I would say that be unapologetic. And there's a difference between being unapologetic and arrogant and being confident and arrogant. And, and again, if you're looking for confidence to come from everyone patting you on the back, telling you what a great idea uh, everything is, you know, you, you might be waiting a long time. Uh, so being able to find that inner confidence and really believing in it, believing in yourself, believing in your movement, your product, your project, whatever it is. And, 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 and then that's number one. Secondly, unapologetic about how you're delivering it. You can always fine tune and do that later. But if you're striving to do something good, you don't need to apologize to anyone. And then the third one is one, two, three, is surround yourself with people that take you where you want to go. Never mind the uh, detractors, never mind the ones that need to feel the need to put their flag at the top of the mountain and claim we solved this. Find the servant leadership. It's out there. There's lots of great people out there. And, you know, connecting them through, connecting through things like you're doing right now is, is an unbelievable way of aggregating those kind of people and that mindset and that mentality. So that, that would be my, my top three things. And, that, and then the last one I always encourage is do it. Don't sit yeah. and wait. Don't wait for tomorrow. Yeah. The difference between champions and, and, and non-champions is as the champions get out of bed, no matter what the weather is, and they put one foot in front of the other and they're gone uh, yep. at the same time every day. And they're grinding and they're grinding. And at the end of the day, they're exhausted from grinding, but they're satisfied that they made a difference. Yeah. I love it. 100%. I appreciate that. What, uh, one last thing. What, I saw you were a Guinness book of world record holder. What, what's that for? Yeah. If you allow me the time to tell the story, I, I, I think you'll appreciate the Absolutely. story. Absolutely. We were training a, a guy, a father. At the time, I'm going to say he was in his early 40s, and he always came late. And so his session started at 7 a.m. He always came in at about 7.10. So as a punishment for him, we would always have him doing the Stairmaster. And we'd say, every minute you're late, you got 10 minutes on the Stairmaster. So one day, he's, he's on the Stairmaster, and it's just an awful piece of machinery. And he's on it for about 20 minutes. And I finally took the time to ask him, why are you always late? He goes, well... 
well, Matt, you see, I have a daughter who has type one diabetes and I wake, I have to wake up at night to check her insulin levels. So I wake up, set my alarm and I wake up at uh, 11, two and 4 AM to check her insulin levels. Otherwise she could pass away. So you can imagine how, how tall I felt. Yeah, uh, yeah. I put myself on the Stairmaster for about three days. And so I, we said, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, we got these fundraisers. And, you know, I, I really want to, he was a great man. And he said, I wanted to, I always wanted to do something big. And I said, well, let's combine what we do, which is health and fitness with, you know, something that you're passionate about, which is fundraising or raising money and awareness for type 1 diabetes. So we said, let's ride across the country. And uh, just like we started off this conversation where it was a goal that, you know, that we said, and, you know, 20 people, fuck, you can't, you, you can't ride across the country. You can't do that. Forget yeah. that. And uh, we said, uh, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it as a relay. And we're going to set a Guinness Book of World Record. And uh, so we did. So we started off on one coast. Each of us took a three-hour turn, rode about 100 and between 100 to 120 kilometers in that three hours. And was just on a continual rotating basis, morning, night, storms, everything. You, you dream it up. We rode through it. Yeah. And uh, we, we finished it in eight days and set a Guinness Book of World Records in the meantime. And more importantly, most importantly, we raised over a million dollars for the juvenile diabetes and his daughter. It was just an incredible life changing experience. That's awesome. Beautiful story too. And uh, yeah, th- th- there's a, there's a great lesson in there too of just, um, you know, you think the guy's just showing up late and very well could be just because he doesn't care or disrespectful. And then you actually take the time to ask what's going on and find out what he's dealing with and what's going on in his world. And uh, yeah, it's just a powerful lesson to, ask some questions and get other people's perspectives before you uh, maybe make some judgments, I guess you'd say. So I appreciate that beautiful story. And uh, what are a few ways we can find out more about you and what, and what you have going on and how can we follow you on social media? Yeah. Thanks, Nate. So um, Matt Young 101 is Twitter. That's where I, I do most of the, uh, my, my preaching and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, Matt at qualitysporthub.com. Matt at qualitysporthub.com is uh, where I can be followed. Uh, anything related to sports, if anyone needs support, uh, has questions or anything. And again, like I said, Nate, it's not just about sport. Sport is just a dress rehearsal for real life. And yeah. uh, all the principles apply, whether you're in sport, whether you're in a student leadership. So uh, we've given lots of talks and, and to small, medium-sized businesses. Anything we can share to help make you better, uh, we're down for. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day today to be here with us. Uh, really appreciate it. It's been, it's been awesome. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for an amazing podcast. Thanks for doing what you do. Absolutely. Have a good day. Cheers. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. When I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage it's never been better than this and we got three kids that's who i do it for i'm called to be a leader i'ma lead the way cause i'm a firm believer we can do anything we want 
baby.